for the Faith FM Breakfast Show with your hosts, Lyle and Lawson. Welcome, everybody. You're listening on 87.6, or 88, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Special shout-out this morning to all those listening in Tennant Creek, Northern Territory, on 87.6, Dorigo, New South Wales, on 88.0, Doncaster, Victoria, on 88.0. Lawson, what are you thankful for this morning? Ah, oh, Okay. I am thankful that I am extremely tired. Right. But, uh, like, I'm good. I'm chilling. So being extremely tired is the sign of a good night out last night? Yeah, no, essentially, I, uh, well, yes, I met up with my friend. His name's Jay. We studied the Bible together, and then he's like, Lawson, let me shout you dinner. And now for me, I usually don't eat dinner for health and Fitness reasons, I don't eat dinner. Yes. But I go out to dinner with Jay, and he orders me a ton of food. And I'm, like, chomping through it because he's paid for it, too. And I'm, like, just eating it and I'm eating it. And I'm, like, this is so tasty. But I don't usually eat dinner, and so I'm, like, struggling. But I I, I eat a lot of food, and I got home at, like, 11.30, and obviously it's not not the best plan when you got breakfast radio the next nope, day. Nope. But And I woke up this morning and, and just having to do all that digestion overnight, like it was... You did not sleep well. I did not sleep well. But praise God, I get to spend time with my friend Jay and study the Bible and, yeah, learn about God. Nah, pro health tip here. If you want to have a good night's sleep, go to sleep on an empty stomach because when your Amen. stomach is working and your brain is trying not to, those two clash. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. It's The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. We're about to get into positively different news. Before we do, Lawson is going to bring you the first quiz question for the quiz. That's, that's right, the quiz question for the quiz. That's right. Here we go. Who is the stone the builders rejected? 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer to that one. If you do, you will go into the draw to win both Revive Cafe Cookbook 5 and Revive Cafe Cookbook 6 as well. These are amazing books full of incredible, awesome, amazing vegan, healthy, tasty recipes that will truly bless your life. I was uh, I was having a look here on one of them. It's in the uh, dessert section. It tells you how to make watermelon pizza. Right. Watermelon pizza. No. What? No. You, no, you, no, it's not, no, it's not that you put watermelon on pizza. Okay. It's not like pineapple on pizza. Pineapple is on pizza is fine. I'm a bit on the fence about pineapple on pizza. I saw a picture one time of someone trying to put banana on pizza. No. I think that was a meme. But this is watermelon pizza. I think you make a pizza out of the watermelon. No. Why not? No, just no. You don't like watermelon? I love watermelon, but not on a pizza. No, not, not on... Not a watermelon pizza. Not on the pizza. Those two words don't go together. You put, you make a pizza out of watermelon. This is really, really good, tasty, amazing recipes. Okay, I've got 0491-064-669 is the number to call. And again, that the question was... The base. Yeah. But then what happens when you put it in the oven? You don't put it in you the oven. You don't put it in the oven. <laughs> You just have Bake. watermelon, and you put other, like, fruits on top of it, and then you eat it. Yeah. Because that's not pizza. That's just <laughs> yes. fruit salad on a flat plate. 
that that's also edible. That's basically what a pizza is. That's so right. flat a pizza, fruit. Why a pizza they call is it a salad. Flat, flat fruit salad with no cheese. Because they can call it pizza, and why wouldn't they? It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, but again, that question is, who is the stone the builders rejected? 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. Okay, so starting off an easy one for you there this morning. Mm. So make sure you get your name in the hat. And of course, we want to remind everybody that if you want to just play along for bragging rights, just let us no. Mm. So the motto that we've uh, come up with for that one is to state it or star it. So mm. when you talk to producer Shell, just state that you're playing for bragging rights. She'll mark you down for bragging rights for the week. Mm. Or when you send a text message through, if you send a text message through, just put a star on the text message and we will mark you down for bragging rights for the week. Mm. Some people have sort of backed off because they're like, oh, well, we played last week and we won last week, but we still will Love to hear from all of our listeners. Mm. And so, and we want everybody to be able to participate. So, yeah, just state it or star it if you want to do it for bragging rights. Let's have some positively different news, Lawson. Yes. Oh, I have some amazing stories. Actually, I'm going to start off with positively different news that is just something that I want to talk about and it's something that I see as amazingly, incredibly positive. Okay. It's basically this. Uh, Kim Kardashian has been fined and agreed to pay $1.26 million dollars, uh, beca- because of um, basically promoting a pump and dump crypto scheme. And I really? am very... Look, normally here on The Breakfast Show, like... Kim Kardashian and good news, like she, we're, we're not like a, a no. drama radio, like no. celebrity drama radio. We're not about that. But I particularly like this story because essentially what basically Kim Kardashian, Floyd Mayweather, Paul Pierce, who is a professional basketball player and a lot of other creators and whatnot who were paid by a group that made a cryptocurrency called Ethereum Max. What they did was promote a cryptocurrency, a new crypto artificially push up the price. Yeah, the price of nothing. And then it's like, oh, everyone's buying in, and they even called it Ethereum Max. Now Ethereum is one of the big kind of stable coins, like Bitcoin. You know, it's it's the second most valuable. Oh, so this coin. has a very similar name, and this one is called Ethereum Max. Like again, just because of association, Ooh. and they've pumped this thing up. You know, in a pre-sale as well, there was a pre-sale that took place before it went on the market in which all of these celebrities got to buy in, that it goes out to the market, everyone buys in, and then then those celebrities just sell and crash the coin and everyone loses money. Except for the celebrities. Except for the celebrities and the creators of the coin. So that's corrupt. Essentially, it's it's what they call a pump and dump scheme. It is the just it was it was one of the things that was most prevalent in the crypto boom that happened last year and even bleeding into this yeah, year yeah, as well. Yeah, absolutely. It was just a way it's that driven by YouTube. YouTube and celebrities were just basically selling snake oil and get rich quick schemes to people. Well, no, they weren't even selling snake oil because if you got some snake oil, if you bought some snake oil, at least you could have something that you could either <laughs> put in your engine or put on your vegetables, one of the two. Mm. Because it's just going to be like vegetable oil or something. <laughs> yeah. But they weren't. It's just like they're just selling air. Yeah, it's just ones and zeros. Air that makes money, but truly, they were just they were actually just scamming people. And now uh, the FTC has stepped in and they've ordered all of them. Now uh, it came out that Kim Kardashian she had received and all of these celebrities two hundred fifty thousand dollars to promote 
this yeah. uh, this yeah. cryptocurrency. But now they've been placed on them a, a fine that they have accepted. This has been you know settled throughout the courts uh, for all of these different individuals of one point two million dollars. Yeah, does the money go back to people who lost money? I, probably not. I don't think so. Yeah, no. probably not. Uh, it goes, you know, to the FTC itself and maybe, like, I think, again, there will be probably reparations paid from the creators as this was a lawsuit that was the FTC in conjunction with investors as well. They yes. came together to sue. But ultimately, yeah, this shows just just stop. Just stop. Stop the crypto. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Crypto mining Uh produced more CO2 emissions last year than countries like Denmark and and the Netherlands. Yeah, it makes sense. It's just massive, massive warehouses with computers doing crypto mining Mm -hmm. and drawing huge amounts of electricity Mm -hmm. and therefore burning massive amounts of coal and they took more energy than a whole bunch of... European countries. Mm-hmm. You know, these are not a developing countries. These are developed countries. Mm. Nah, it's just bizarre. So, and, and this is producing absolutely, you, you're producing all of this pollution with no product. Mm. You know, you give hard, China a hard time for the pollution that they create, but at least there's a product at the end of the day. There's something real. There's something you can do with that yeah. thing that they have created. With crypto, there's nothing, not even yeah. real. This is ones and zeros. That's right. I, and I feel like it's, yeah, just, just motivated by. Great, and wanting to make money uh, out of nothing. Is, so This is Lawson's favourite. Yeah, this right is my here. hobby horse, and that's why we're going to put it back in the corner. I've ridden it enough today. Okay. We're going to put it back in the corner. Kim well, Kardashian got what was coming to her. All the celebrities got what was coming to them, and we don't have to think about crypto anymore. I think the thankful thing is that like crypto is really... I, especially in the in the space of like NFTs and whatnot, it's really on the way out, and I think people are starting to see it for what it is. Yep. And so let's let's chuck it in the corner. Uh, but in other news, all right, this news is really cool. This is about psychology, Lyle, and it's a study, a, a poll, a survey that was done with over four thousand people asking them things that they would like to do in public but felt like they had to limit themselves and, and not do. Well, the, one of the big questions of the poll was, do you feel like you consciously limit yourself in public? And a lot of people, in fact, 55% of people said, yes, I feel like when I'm in public, I consciously limit myself. I can't be myself because of fear of being rejected, all these kinds of things. And it's like, man, that's really sad. Like, obviously, the way you act in public and private, yeah, there's some differences. For example, when I am at home and I'm in my room, I'm usually not wearing that that much clothing. Uh, and that's something that you should do in public is wear clothing. But in the, we're talking about like their personality and limiting their, their ability to be able to connect with people. There was also a list that came out as top 10 things adults wish they could do freely in public, but they felt limited to do so. Number one was compliment a stranger. Yes. So people yes. wish they could do this. Yes. But then felt like they couldn't. Do no, it. you can't. Why not? Well, because you could be taken wrong and it could be taken as some kind of abuse in today's society. <laughs> well, like, I, I reflecting on this, I just saw so clearly the the need for people to, to realise that you can because everyone feels the same way, right? But if there, was a, if there was a lady walking down the street who was dressed attractively and uh, I complimented on her, on her taste... That would just not be right. No, but I feel like the underlying issue here 
Lyle, is people's ability that they feel like that they can't interact with people in public. Yeah, sure, complimenting a stranger, because I feel like this reflects wanting to be complimented in public. And I'm not saying everyone should go around like hitting on each other and calling each other. No, But what I am saying, because this is my experience, this is some of the work that I do, being able to meet people in public and befriend them Immediate, like literally walking through the university campus and being able to meet someone and befriend them and make a friendship with them that would then lead them to be like, hey, let's spend time together and then eventually, hey, let's study the Bible together. I I wish we lived in a society where you could just compliment a random person. But this is the thing, Lyle. You can. We just we just have to stand up all right, all and right, be confident. Right, right. We have to be tactful, obviously. We don't want to come off as weirdos. But simultaneously, I really, really believe that we have the ability to reach out to people, to give them kind words, and as a result, spark up friendships from nothing. Totally. 100%. I believe that, and I feel it's sad that adults, most adults, don't feel the same way. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. This morning, Lawson, let's have another question for our quiz. According to Psalm 90, how many days are like a year to the Lord? 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. I'm going to read that one again. According to Psalm 90, how many days are like a year to the Lord? Is that correct? Am I saying the right thing? How many? Yeah. How many? Yeah. Days are like a year, or how many years are like a day? Mm. I think it's how many years are like a day. You might be right. Because I'm just looking at the you answer. You might be right. I'm like, yeah. Okay. You According are... to Psalm 90, how many years are like a day? 0491 to, to the Lord. 0491 is the number to call or text if you know the answer to that one. If you do, you will go into the draw to win the Revive Cafe Cookbook 5 and 6 full of amazing, awesome, incredible recipes like watermelon pizza or, oh, I saw one before that Lyle would love. Where did I read it? Oh, hot mushroom mingle. Oh, Ooh, yum. Lyle. I'm a vegetarian. I don't eat that stuff. <laughs> Whatever. But hey, 0491 According to Psalm 90, how many years are like a day to the Lord? 0491 All right. A fellow by the name of Michael Brown has just put out a new book. It's called The Political Seduction of the Church. Whoa. How millions of American Christians have confused politics with the gospel. And there's a couple of chapters in this book that particularly focus on the Trump prophecies. So this is an interesting one that I have noticed here in Australia as well. And that is, you know, people will have their their different sides of politics, whatever it might be. And uh, within Christianity, everybody gets their right to choose whichever side of politics they want to vote for. Go for it. Mm. That's what it's all about. However, what I have noticed is that... You will have people who will look at somebody who takes a different side of politics to themselves and they will look at those people as being somehow less Christian. Mm. And that's not appropriate because you can't make that kind of a judgment. The second thing that I've noticed is that you'll have Christians who will choose a side of politics and then accept every 
ideological or otherwise value that that particular side of politics has because they feel somehow compelled or necessary to do so because it's like, well, you know, if the Republicans, if they are God's side of politics, then I must believe everything the Republicans Mm. stand for. If the Democrats are God's side of uh, politics, I'm talking American context, of course, here because this is an American book, then I must stand for everything that they stand for. And... uh, I think anybody who knows me knows that I would lean to the right of politics. Mm. But there are a bunch of things, if I look at American politics, on the right that I am not going to stand for. Mm. So, for instance, uh, the right is very, very involved in union of church and state. They very much stand for union of church and state. They believe Mm. that separation of church and state is a deception of Satan and they are not afraid of doing so. Mm. I don't agree with that, never will agree with that. I will I will preach against that to my dying day. There are many passages in the Bible we could look at, and I don't have to accept that. Mm. Uh, the other thing that I see on the right of politics is a complete and utter denial that human beings are having an effect on the environment. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says that at the end of time, human beings will destroy the world. Mm. And if human beings were not destroying the world, then I would not be able to preach that Jesus is coming back soon. Mm. And so, you know, there's... Anyway, don't, yeah, don't even for get... me, like I'm an authoritarian liberal. I want a deep state communism, yeah, like uh, communist awesome. government. Like, no, nah, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay, but the scariest part about what happens in American politics, and you do see it seeing see it bleeding over into Australian politics, mm. uh, is was the Trump prophecies, and I remember. You know, yeah. having these conversations with evangelicals here in my local community and they were saying, you know, the, the prophets are all saying that Donald Trump is going to win the election and then Donald Trump won the election and they're like, see, these are true prophets. And then the next election came around and all the same prophets were saying that Donald Trump was going to win the election. And here's what's interesting. Every single prominent evangelical prophet Predicted Donald Trump would, would 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 win the election in twenty twenty. Yes, in twenty twenty. Yeah. Every single charismatic, prominent charismatic prophet predicted that. Mm. So what does that actually say? Well, obviously they are all false prophets. Mm. That's the first thing it says. Because if they prophesy something, then obviously it was, and it didn't come to ha- pass. Then it did not come from God. Mm. However, a bunch of them are saying, no, 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 he did win the election. We were right, but the election was stolen. Mm. Okay, but here's the thing. No one was asking who's going to win the vote count, but not the White House. Mm. Everybody was, you know, none of them were saying he's going to be elected, but the election will be stolen. Mm. If they'd have said that, be like, yeah, okay, they've got a fair chunk of credibility right there. Mm. Uh, but they were not saying that. They're like, no, 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 he's just going to win the election. Mm. Come on, don't give me this kind of thing. This is absolutely, absolutely just making stuff up. Mm. So uh, Christian author and apologist Michael Brown says, the abundance of self-described prophets who falsely predicted a second term for former President Donald Trump and then changed their story post-election should serve a, as a wake-up call to the charismatic church. Mm. And I totally agree with him. Okay, so I'm going to cover a story here that uh, goes back a, a, a few days now. You may have heard of this one. You probably didn't. Uh, but this is Stacey Abrams in the United States. Uh, she's the Democratic candidate for Georgia. The, the governor, as ju- she is the Democratic candidate for governor 
in Georgia. Mm. And we find that science continues to have no place in the world of ideology. Mm -hmm. So as a part of her campaign, she has stated that fetal heartbeats at six weeks are manufactured. They don't exist. By who? Uh, By people who are trying to, by men trying to control women. Ah. And there is no such thing as fetal heartbeats at six weeks of age. Which is, and by the way, Planned Parenthood, in response, changed their website to reflect what she said. Uh-huh. Now, this is despite any piece of scientific knowledge that exists anywhere in the world. Uh-huh. But we don't have to have science anymore. Science has become irrelevant because all you have to have is ideology. And if you don't believe something is the case, then it is not the case. Wow. If if what you if what is in your mind is what is real, then you can make a statement like this, and it's real because it's in your mind, not because it actually exists, but because it is in your mind. That's the world that we live in today, and that's the world that we have created when we have said that you know biological men can be actual women, mm. and vice versa. We have stated that what is in your mind is what is real, not what science says is real. Mm. Which is interesting because this is the same crowd that has pushed empirical science for a very, very long time and said, "Oh, you know, we, we you, you, you people of faith uh, believe in don't believe in evolution, but science defends evolution, and so you should all become evolutionists because of science and believe the science, believe the science, believe the science, mm. believe the science." Until the science doesn't agree with their ideology and then it's like, no, believe my mind. Believe my mind. My mind Mm. says this, so this is what is right. Wow. Yeah, wow. Anyway, okay, so over 50,000 people have uh, attended the Franklin Graham's God God Loves You Tour. Mm. So this took place over a slew of different cities in the United States, Allentown, Pennsylvania, um, York, Pennsylvania, Youngstown, Ohio, Flint, Michigan, Waukesha, Wisconsin. So that's a uh, big group of people there attending Mm. to those programs. Uh, They were protested by pro-LGBT protesters where they uh, set up their protest as they do and attendees argued that Graham's message stressed that God loves everyone. Mm. Which is pretty much what you're going—the kind of preaching that you're going to hear. So, this is something to pray about. These are very short campaigns. These are not campaigns where somebody's going to hear, you know, all of the salient truths of Scripture. Mm. And so, we need to pray for these people that they continue to study their Bibles, that they're given their lives to Jesus, and that they will grow from this point forward into a full and complete understanding of what Scripture says. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Yo, with the double L team this morning, Lyle and Lawson. Lawson's going to bring you the question for the quiz. Lawson, go for it. Here we go. In the book of Revelation, what did John eat that made his belly bitter? Yeah, something probably I'm thinking most people haven't eaten. Yeah, something that's not usually edible. 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer to that one. If you do, you will go into the drawer to win a bunch of books that are full of things 
that are edible. So here we go. You'll get the Revive Cafe cookbooks number five and six with such incredible meal. Again, this is all vegan and amazingly tasty. If you want to make butternut mac and cheese, oh, yes, I want to make butternut mac and cheese. That's also vegan, or if you want to make for yourself some smoky Boston baked beans, 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. But again, that question was, in the book of Revelation, what did John eat that made his belly bitter? 0491-064-669. All right. Fantastic stuff. Well, join us on the phone this morning. To talk about emotional health, all things to do with emotional health is Jennifer Skews. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be here again. Indeed it is. Where are are we picking up the story today? Well, we started looking uh, at addictions last week and we actually had a a couple of people with queries. And so I'm going to review, first of all, what is an addiction because uh, not all the listeners would have been listening last week. Uh, An addiction is anything that controls us that we can't stop using or giving up. Um, it's something that takes over our life. And often we don't realise this is happening. It can happen quite slowly, and it's not until we try and stop something that we can realise maybe we're addicted to it. Um, Often we're dismissive, like particularly if it's a harmless one like chocolate. You know, we have all these holics, a chocoholic, a workaholic, a sugarholic, a shopaholic, you know, so... um, We can be addicted to anything and everything, so it's something that we end up not having control over and we often use it to make ourselves feel better, to cope with what's happening, um, to be able to deal with life and then it becomes a major problem. Um, one of the questions last from last week was what's the difference between a habit and an addiction? And things start as a habit, like it might become a habit that um, I'm feeling a bit flat so I have that caffeine hit and it becomes a habit but when I can't stop anymore and it takes over my life it becomes an addiction. Um, Some things are highly addictive, Uh, certain uh, drugs are highly addictive, you have one lot of them and um, it's hard to stop. So it just depends on what it is you become habitual with and how it becomes addictive. Okay, so so there's there's a passage in the Bible where the Bible says that Jesus went into the synagogue as his habit was. Yes. On the Sabbath so day. So there's good habits and bad habits. We yes. want the good habits. And the good habits don't become necessarily addictive. Like we're not driven by them and controlled we're by not them. Controlled by them. No. We delight, like Jesus delighted in going to the synagogue. That was his habit. Yes. Um, but certainly when it's a good habit and we know it's good for us, when it's broken, it's, um, it can be stressful because it helps us to function well, feel better. So if someone stops you from doing a good habit, we can feel a bit sad or depressed. Um, but it's working on what habits do I have? And interestingly, habits are never totally eradicated from the system. So when we change a habit, and we've talked a bit about neuroplasticity and to change a habit, we have to change the beliefs and uh, what's happening in the brain that we've actually mapped that habit in. It's a physiological process where the cells actually take that information and keep working on it. Every time we do it, it strengthens that habit, and that's when it can take over. But when we change the habit, 
it is resides in the outer area of the brain where there's that little residue of the habit. And this is where it can be picked up again if we're too tired, if we're run down, if we don't sleep well, uh, blood sugars aren't good, we're likely to pick up a bad habit again and start feeding it. And then it begins to become addictive again. So the best way, of course, is when we recognise we're picking that ha- habit up again, stop it. Um, and the brain is a use it or lose it. So that means when we stop using the habit, the cells start to drop out, but not totally. So it's an interesting process. Yeah, so it's the basically, as we've mentioned, I think um, we mentioned each week, but it, we need to keep reminding ourselves that the brain does rewire itself, it does repair itself, it does heal itself it from all yes. of these things, and it, it will change yes. how it works. Absolutely. God has given us a self-healing mechanism. The whole system is about balance and we being created with that capacity to balance. But it's only when we work on an imbalance and we do it so much that disease kicks in or we have major problems because we're now out of line with God's will and what he wants for us to be healthy. So uh, it's a challenge. Um, people go, oh, I've got all these bad habits or things I'm addicted to, so I get people to pick one and we work on it and something that isn't so overwhelming because once the brain releases the habit and starts working on a better one, it likes it, we like it, and it will feed it. And the same process to stop a habit is applied to other habits. So it's learning the process um, and getting some success to get that motivation and momentum to keep changing those habits we don't want anymore. Yeah, so we've basically got to find the things that are controlling our lives, the bad things in our life, and not just get rid of them but to replace them with something better. That's it. So you can never just take a habit away. You um, There's also a, a section in the Bible that talks about when we clean out the house, which is the mind, and then if we don't put something back in, what we cleaned out is going to come back quickly. It can be, um, you know, Satan's work comes back and infests us 70 times more. So if we don't replace the habit with something, this is where God will show us what he wants us to be or do, then um, it's likely to kick back in. And people do that. They just stop the habit and then suddenly it's back again. So we've got to shift the attention onto something much better. So that's an interesting um, story that Jesus tells there where he talks about, you know, the person who, you know, cleans the demons out of his mind, whatever they might be, and then he leaves it empty and seven times more demons come back in and inhabit that empty space because they find his his mind basically swept and clean and a nice, pleasant place to come and live. Do you find that in your work where you are working with patients and so forth that you have some people who do overcome their addictions, don't replace it with something better, and then that mm-hmm. end up significantly worse off. And would they end up seven times significantly worse off? Do we? Do we? Is that actually a real thing? That is a real thing, and I find this particularly with addictions like we talk about alcohol and other like really chronic addictions that take over our life and um, substances. It, if we stop and start with. 10 times worse when we start again, if we have a break. And that's been evident. And uh, uh, people, particularly with alcohol, go one's too many and one's not enough. And once it's like a roller coaster once they get back on. So that, I believe that is true. Um, but you can still stop 
and it's staying stopped that I have the challenge of helping people with. And it comes back to their will, their motivation, um, you know, their attachment to that addiction. Attachment is, if they've got a big attachment, you've got to help break that attachment or they won't give it up. Mm. So, yeah, there's a lot we have to do. Um, the habits that are the residue that are left, I believe, are what we would call that carnal nature in the Bible, where we have that fallen nature that um, can take over. So we're never free of it. But And this is where it's only, as we know, through Christ and through our faith and walking with God that we have that victory. So, And that's a key factor in any addiction is where is your faith, what do you believe? Yes, absolutely. Can I ask a question then? Uh, about mm-hmm. two different kinds of addictions that we see. And, mm-hmm. and what I really want to know is, are they the same or are they different from each other? So if we take a drug addiction, say, mm-hmm. you know, meth or ice, something like this, or even alcohol or caffeine, and compare yeah. that with, for instance, a gambling addiction. Now, in a gambling addiction, you're not taking any substance into your body. Yeah, no, you're not. Whereas um, with the... With this, what's called substance abuse, it's because you are yes. taking a substance into your body. Absolutely. Hmm. Are both um, of those addictions just as powerful, or is the substance addiction a more powerful one? Is there actually something in the substance that is making it so much more addictive? Well, the act, the fact is that the brain responds the same with the addictive pattern, whether it be a substance or something like gambling. So it's actually to do with the brain function and how the brain is wiring and what the chemical balance is in the brain that drives it. So it's not what we're putting in or doing, it's about the brain and how it's responding. And we talked about the chemical nature of addiction, say with alcohol, well they find a similar chemical process happening in the brain for things like gambling and other drugs. So there is a definite brain function that kicks in that doesn't matter what the addiction is. Mm. Interesting. Pornography would be another example of that. Yes. Something Um, where there's no actual substance involved. No. But is still, well, they they say it's just as addictive as heroin. It is because, uh, in fact, some things, they say sugar is harder to give up than heroin which is an interesting thing because when you give up heroin, you go through a withdrawal within a period of time, that's it. With sugar, it seems to hang in and hang in, and I think because we keep putting it in. But sugar is highly addictive. If you ever give up sugar, you'll go through massive withdrawal, headaches, trembling, your blood sugars drop. It's uh, Unless you do it, um, this is where I can help people with that because they've got to balance the body back again and the brain And because it's not just a physically a logical thing, it's also a mental-emotional attachment. When somebody gives up, say, something, for instance, like sugar, mm-hmm. is part of the physical uh, withdrawal from that just the body detoxing, de- detoxing itself and releasing yeah. toxins into the bloodstream that it had been storing away for a long yeah. time? Well, my understanding is, it's, particularly with sugar, it's a physiology because whenever we have a sugar hit, we bump the blood sugars way up, we go on a high, but then... Because of the way we do the sugar hit, it totally drops down and plummets. And that means we're in a position where um, the blood sugar's gone on a high, so we're on a bit of a manic high there, and then we go drop right down into a depression. So the roller coaster is to do with your blood sugar levels. So I get people working on low, what we call low GI snacks, 
things like nuts and seeds and um, a good regime where they balance the blood sugars when they stop the sugar and it's, it prevents that. So we work on dietary principles. So there's a huge physiological thing with something like sugar as well as a um, mental psychological dynamic to break. And of course, this is an area in which you have um, some expertise because you've done study into the nutritional impact on mental health and combined yes. those two subjects together in your research, correct? Yes, I have. So um, it's something, as you can tell, I'm passionate about, but I find it's just such a great advantage. And helping people do this is often the, the mental emotional dynamic that changes when you change something like the sugar or the chocolate all the time or the addiction, they become a mentally and emotionally well again. They don't need drugs or anything else and they learn to balance their well-being through this. Yeah, it's a very powerful um, it's a very powerful combination that you've put together there. Is it common amongst uh, psychologists, counsellors, psychiatrists today, people who are dealing with uh, mental health, is it a common thing that they will deal with the nutritional side of it as well? Um, I believe it's a common problem, but not many practitioners deal with it um, because psychology is predominantly the mind, working with the mind and the habits and that, whereas I've extended it because I believe we have to have the, the body and the mind working together. So yes. that's where my interests lay. A holistic approach. <laughs> yes. Jennifer Skews, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We always appreciate everything you have to say. Right. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.